Football season is also tailgating season, and at Four River Smokehouse, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Get the Manscaped Performance Package at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use code GATORSBREAK20. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC, Florida, South Carolina, both teams sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Not a lot to really get excited for, but here we are. Going to break it down for you anyway. Still a football game. You'll get to see our Gators play four more games at least uh during regular season so starts right here a stretch run for the gators that can end the season on a more positive note than what we've seen recently it starts this saturday in columbia south carolina versus the south carolina gamecock so lots to get into here for this game will gunter host of the early game on the game up there in south carolina columbia south carolina will join me right here to preview the south carolina gamecocks you know, Will, he's been on the show, I think, every year we've had it uh, since uh, since we started Gators Breakdown Preview in South Carolina. Always does a great job. We'll get into South Carolina with him coming up right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, then I'll give you my thoughts on the game as well. Path for the victory is pretty easy for the Gators this week um, when you look at stats, how the game, how, how the season has played out for both teams kind of so far. Of course, we've learned the season already. Stats won't tell us the whole story, and – Stats uh, won't. This it doesn't mean that will that, that um, the trend will happen. Whatever these stats tell us, but of course you go back and look at it. If it doesn't happen, you go back and looking like you. What in the world happened? <laughs> if uh, uh, if uh, the the stats and the trends of the season do not play out the way they have been so far uh, this year, so we'll get into all that. Um, you know, stats say. And I'll preface it with that. Stats say. This can be an easy victory for Florida. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Here we are, as we do every year, Florida, South Carolina week. Will Gunter, good friend, joins me from 107.5, the game, host of the early game up there in Columbia, South Carolina, talking South Carolina Gamecocks, as I said, every year, joins us right here on Gators Breakdown to preview these South Carolina Gamecocks. So, Will, man, I hope you're doing well, and uh, hopefully get to see you uh, in, in just a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, it's what we were just talking about. The uh, the the young man has a, the young son has a, a soccer tournament, and uh, now they're calling for rain. It's going to be cold for Florida. Yeah. fans. I don't know what the coldest game y'all played in this year is, and and I was kind of looking at it, but it looks like uh, maybe temperatures in the in the high forties, low fifties at kickoff time, and now they're actually calling for rain in the morning. So you know that that forecast is still a few days out. So we'll see how that affects 
or if that changes a little bit. But uh, if, if the soccer tournament is played on time, we'll get to tailgate, maybe play a little cornhole, and and who knows, maybe we'll we'll uh, fight a little bit in the parking lot over who teams better. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Both teams four and four coming into this game, of course. So, yeah, weather definitely, what, two years ago, a little cold, drizzly, rainy day in Columbia as well uh, when these two teams uh, met up. So, uh, well, we know. Look, first-year coach Shane Beamer here. Overall thoughts of the program so far under him, and does it look like he's learning uh, as a head coach in, in year one? Uh, you know, you know, I guess I – mean, can, you, can, you, can you tell he's a first-year head coach? There's been some mistakes. Uh, there's no doubt. And one of them is is at uh, offensive coordinator. And, and that's where a lot of people are very upset right now. Uh, Marcus Satterfield was, was an unknown hire. Uh, if you go back into the process, Mike Bobo, uh, the, the offensive coordinator under Will Muschamp, was expected to be the guy. And what ended up happening was uh, Mike Bobo accepted a new contract, uh, signed it, agreed, or maybe he signed it. We don't, we don't know 110%, but at least agreed to it, held a press conference with Shane Beamer, talking about how excited he was to be at South Carolina to coach with Shane Beamer to run the offense. And then about five days later, went to Shane Beamer, and, and I guess the way things work in college football said he had a new offer from Auburn. And it was worth a lot more money, and South Carolina declined to match it. And so Shane Beamer, in about the middle of January, I think it was about January 10th, uh, had to find a new offensive coordinator. And at that point chose uh, Marcus Satterfield, who had previously been an offensive coordinator at Temple, had been with the Carolina Panthers last year as an offensive analyst and learning under Joe Brady. And, and as we sit here through eight games, uh, has, has not fared well, has not done well. And a lot of people here in Columbia – that is the number one thing that people are pointing at right now as a failure in the Shane Beamer era is that he did not, he took a chance on an unproven guy and, and the play calling has just been all over the place. Uh, it, it's hard to get a read through eight games. We don't know what this team is, uh, what, what their identity is offensively. Uh, we knew that there was some, some going to be some issues with offensive talent, but at least at this point, uh, there's been major issues with offensive play calling. And so I, I think we're continuing to learn, to answer your question, about Shane Beamer as a, as a head coach. And South Carolina is coming off a bye week. This is another opportunity to see how he prepares his team and what they look like coming off of a, a thumping at the hands of Texas A&M and, and what they look like after a bye week. Yeah, you know, Florida coming off the top into Georgia, too. So, you know, had their bye week the week before. Uh, so, both programs trying to find their way here with a couple bye weeks in play recently. So, of course, you mentioned offense, starts at quarterback. Injury galore there at quarterback so far this season for South Carolina. So, what's the update on the latest on Zeb Nolan? Will he be ready to go after a, a knee surgery, minor knee surgery? So, that's why it's in question that he could play uh, Saturday. So, if he is ready to go, what does he bring to the position? If he can't go, what do we look for there? Well, let's start with he. I'm 39 years old. He's a little bit younger than me. Uh, we have to say, uh, I have a torn meniscus currently, and I'm putting off surgery because of fear of what it could be. I believe he had a torn meniscus and and uh, had surgery. The expectation, at least on the majority of our end, is that it will be Jason Brown, uh, the third string quarterback going into the season. Jason Brown was a transfer, actually a highly coveted kind of transfer from St. Francis, uh, not high school, but St. Francis, a Division II school, FCS school, I guess I should say, 
uh, last year, along with another prospect, DJ Jenkins, who's a six foot seven wide receiver. Jason Brown actually had some really good FCS numbers, did not play in 2020 and uh, elected to transfer last January and chose South Carolina over Auburn. Uh, he played at the end of the Auburn game, excuse me, the end of the Texas A&M game, threw a touchdown, had two interceptions. He's considered more of a gunslinger, a guy who's going to throw the ball into some tight windows, take more chances than Zeb Noland. But at the same time, this is a guy who's very, very, very unproven. And, you know, it, it was a big jump from going from the FCS level to the SEC. And, and so we'll see if he is the guy that gets the nod. Uh, the belief is that Zeb Nolan will not be healthy. Uh, and, and if he is, quite frankly, we're talking about a knee injury. We're not talking about a guy who can run to begin with. This isn't, this isn't a quarterback who's going to beat you with those legs and is a statue already. If he, if, if he plays, I think a lot of us will be shocked and really question coaching decisions even more at this point. Got you there. So, of course – Probably going to lean on the run game a bit more. You thought that was probably going to be the the formula for this offense coming into this this season anyway. Uh, so with quarterback play being limited, look, this run game still includes talented backs. I mean, Kevin Harris, we know the potential he brings to the table. Marshawn Lloyd, highly recruited running back coming into the fold for the Gamecocks as well, but can't really seem to get it going. But you got to mix it all together. Quarterback play, of course, plays into it. Maybe the offensive line too. Um, is there with the bye week off the bye week? Is there hope there that maybe something has been found there? But look, you also don't know at the same time, you don't know what you're getting from this Gator Rush defense. You know, a couple weeks ago versus LSU, they couldn't stop a simple counterplay. Uh, you saw, I'm sure South Carolina saw that and maybe something they can get uh, out of that. Florida coming off a pretty good performance versus Georgia. Uh, so you just don't know what you're getting with this Florida Rush defense at the same time when you probably know South Carolina is going to rely even more on that run game now. You know, I, I, David, that's part of what we don't know about Marcus Satterfield is is what exactly he will elect to do with the offensive game plan. Um, the, the run offense has been pathetic, to say the least. Kevin Harris, you mentioned, had, thank goodness it's video so I can do this, minor back surgery uh, during during the offseason. I've never heard of anybody having minor, but again, I'm 39 years old. There is no such <laughs> thing as minor surgery. When you have surgery, you have surgery. Uh, but in the in the game of football alone, when you have surgery on your back, it's a concern. And I don't think personally that, that Kevin Harris has been 100 percent all year long. The offensive line has not been very good at all. There's been not not counting false starts or bad holding calls. They've they've been pathetic. I mean, that's just a way to solve it. Uh, potentially the best offensive lineman, Dylan Wanham is questionable for the weekend. He is the right tackle, and, and according to Shane Beamer earlier today in his press conference, uh, is still questionable. I don't think we're going to see him. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, it hasn't meshed. And and just, you know, whether you want to credit Mike Bobo, maybe maybe that's what we just need to do because four out of the five starters from the offensive line that produced a 1,000-yard rusher last year are back. Uh, the one guy that's, that's not back is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster, but it's hard to believe one guy meant that much. Maybe Mike Bobo covered it up with his schemes, with his play calling, uh, whatever it is. It's not it's not worked this year. And South Carolina does have some talented running backs. Marshawn Lloyd was a former uh, high four star, low level five star prospect. Kevin Harris has run for a thousand yards. Um, Saquandre White is a guy who's been 
uh, pretty good when he's got in there. And and Caleb or Juju McDowell, as we call him, is, has been a guy that has shown some playmaking ability when he's been able to get the ball in his hands. But for whatever reason, it's not clicked. It's not clicked. And I'll be honest, through eight games, uh, there's not many people here that that have hope that it's going to click this that magically click this weekend against Florida. Will Gunter joining us here from 107.5 The Game, previewing the South Carolina Gamecocks. Let's move to receiver just a bit. You mentioned the issues at quarterback. Is there a guy? Would you say it would necessarily maybe be better to for these quarterbacks to spread it out among Josh Van to carry on Jordan Jaheim Bell, or would you look for maybe a connection uh, from one you know, from the quarterback? to one of these guys, you know, they all looked apart. We know Jaheim Bell through recruiting. Uh, if, if you're a Gator fan and follow it closely, a guy that was a Florida, South Carolina battled there uh, for, for a little bit to carry on joiner trans uh, shifts positions uh, for, from quarterback there uh, to, to receivers. So really does look like they're held back from the quarterback position. Well, I, I think there's, there's three parts to this. Let's start with Josh Van. Uh, Josh Van is, as when healthy, has been a very good wide receiver for South Carolina this year. He, uh, he had a, a leg injury uh, around week four or five and has not been healthy. He's kind of gutted through it. Getting the bye week, maybe he comes back and, and now he's fully healthy. And if he is, that is somebody that Florida has to keep an eye on. So that's, that's part number one. How healthy is Josh Van? Because if healthy – uh, and we expect Jason Brown to be the starter. I, I think that that's something to keep a close eye on. Jaheim Bell has shown that he can be a playmaker in this offense. Had a long touchdown catch, uh, 80 yards where he stiff-armed a guy against Vanderbilt. I know Vanderbilt's not good at the game of football, but still it impressed a bunch of us. We had not seen anything like that. And he's well, well, it's, it's, it's only one of Florida's four wins as well. So I believe we can talk about the Vanderbilt. <laughs> good, point. good point. But, but I mean, Jaheim Bell shown that he is a guy that has reliable hands as a playmaker and that you're going to get the ball to. The, the guy to watch, if, if it is indeed Jason Brown, and, and write this down because it's not a guy that you're going to be familiar with, is EJ Jenkins, 6'7, about 240 pounds, has played a little tight end has played some wide receiver. And the reason I mention E.J. Jenkins is he transferred from St. Francis with Jason Brown, and the okay. two have a connection. And Shane Beamer even saying today, Shane Beamer in the press conference saying today, if if we have a five-wide receiver set as coaches, we're 95% confident that Jason Brown will throw the ball to E.J. Jenkins. Jenkins is a matchup problem. He is an interesting player and is a guy that, quite frankly, we talk about, again, I'll come back to the offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, and why this kid has not been utilized more this year. He's shown good hands. He has good speed. He is a, a, a matchup in terms of height nightmare, and yet they can't seem to find a way to get him on the field today in our press conference. Shane Beamer was talking about, well, he plays this position, and he's been behind Josh Van, and Josh Van's our best receiver, so Josh Van's playing, and EJ Jenkins, and you know we we got to get this guy on the field. These two kids grew up together; they've known each other for I think it's like eighteen out of their twenty-one years of life. There is a connection together, and I'm going to tell you, if Jason Brown is the guy on Saturday night, I know we're not mentioning EJ Jenkins' name because statistically he's done next to nothing this year. Keep an eye on him, and he does look like a guy physically and has shown some things when given the chance. He could be a guy who plays on Sundays, yet for whatever reason, 
They've not given him the opportunity. It's, it's part of the frustration right now South Carolina fans have with the offense and the offensive coordinator, but but that's a guy to keep an eye on. Now, right, well, let's move to the other side of the ball. Where do you start on defense? Not a dominating unit by any means, but very opportunistic and in a, in a huge improvement from last season. Yeah, they're, they're greatly improved. Uh, but again, this was a unit that we thought was going to be pretty bad, to be quite honest, especially in the back seven. The, the front four, uh, there are some good players there. Zach Pickens was a five-star prospect. Uh, Jordan Birch was a five-star prospect. Jordan Strawn was a guy who led the nation in sacks last year at Georgia State and was a transfer. Jabari Ellis has been around the program for, I think, roughly 20 years now and, and has got some experience. Uh, Aaron Sterling is another guy, again, going into year number 12 that's, that's an experienced player. Uh, you get the point. The, the defensive line was expected to be better. The linebackers, uh, Damani Staley and Brad Johnson, are good players. They're a little bit slow. I think that's something you can concern yourself with. And then the back, the secondary, uh, Cam Smith is a guy who was highly, highly recruited, but has yet to really show that kind of ability. He's had some nice moments here or there. South Carolina still is, is struggling at the safety position, even though Jalen Foster, uh, I think, is still tied for the nation uh, lead in interceptions and has played way better than we ever could have anticipated. But certainly that secondary has been a little suspect at times. I think it comes down again to play to play calling. We We – media fans were shocked at how South Carolina elected to play Tennessee a few weeks ago. They gave them cushion. Uh, Hendon Hooker just threw the out passes, took advantage of them. South Carolina came up. Hendon Hooker went deep. That was an easy seven points for, for Tennessee. Uh, the biggest fear I have, David, in this game is simply South Carolina has not done a good job of stopping the run uh, by anybody, even Kentucky, they they stopped Kentucky's passing game. Will Levis only threw for about 112 yards, but right. Chris Rodriguez ran for 140. Tennessee had success running the football. Uh, Georgia and Texas A&M are really good football teams. South Carolina's not in their league, so throw those games out to begin with. But Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones, the two leading rushers for Florida, if that's the direction Dan Mullen wants to go and incorporate the running backs, I, I don't know if they rip off the long run, but I can see them averaging four to five yards a carry. And obviously, if, if you average four yards a carry and you do it three times, that's good news for the offense. Yeah, well, and that's kind of been, you know, Florida's MO, when, even when they were running the ball pretty well. It wasn't a home run, but I've, I've, probably people were tired of this analogy. A lot of doubles and a lot of triples in that run game early on, earlier on in the season for this Gator run game. So, um, you know, Gator fans, there you go. Coming from Will, something to look out for there for this Florida offense. But still, Kingsley – Enigbare, preseason All-SEC selection, just continues to be a force for this defense. Again, four and a half sacks on the, the, uh, of the year. If we're going to probably single out anybody on this defense, I think you start right there. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Florida is an 18, 19-point favorite, depending on, on where you look at, which spread you look at. And, and the way they lose this game, in my opinion, is Dan Mullen gets cute and tries to throw the football way too much with – with quarterbacks that are not having a great amount of success throwing the football. And if that's the case, now you bring in the the South Carolina uh, defensive line and a guy like J.J. Ngbarre, who's been able to get to the quarterback and who can make a difference. That's where Florida's got to be concerned. If, if Mullen comes out and just says, look, it's going to be a boring game, we're going to run the football, uh, you know, we'll throw it 15, 20 times, and, and we'll just walk out of here with a, with a victory. 
then you take Ingbare out of the ballgame. He'll make a play or two. He's gonna he's gonna make a play or two where he gets over and you're kind of wowed by him. But he's at his best when the opposition wants to throw the football and he can line up one on one with a tackle and beat him off the edge. But if Florida elects not to do that, you, you kind of take him out of his game a little bit. You mentioned it, four and a half sacks. Again, he's a guy who needs Florida to to kind of come out and decide, hey, we want to try and test the secondary and throw the football. There we go. Well, let's wrap it up here on the defense. Secondary took the biggest hit of the offseason. J.C. Horn, Israel Mukwamu, gone, gives up their eligibility, goes to the NFL, a lot of transfers as well. But here we are, Will. As you said, if Florida wants to pass the ball, this is a South Carolina secondary that helped leads the way for 11 interceptions on the season, eighth in the, in the country right now. So another reason Florida may not want to sit back there and pass the ball too much. Yeah, I don't – you know, you and I have had conversations – we actually had conversations last year uh, in the offseason uh, uh, regarding Torian Gray. And, and yeah. you know, Florida fans remember Torian Gray. He's now at South Carolina. I think he's a, a, a very, very good defensive backs coach. South Carolina fans are thrilled to have him. And, you know, he's done an incredible job with a group right now that has a former wide receiver playing defensive back, has a junior college transfer. South Carolina's – starting defensive backs, uh, Cam Smith, who should be back for this week. And if he is back, that's a little bit different. And and freshman All-American Karan Prunty, who transferred in from Kansas. Prunty transferred out after a week. I, I guess, it, you know, different football at Kansas. You come to South Carolina, I guess all of a sudden we, we now realize there's a higher standard uh, <laughs> for football players at South Carolina than Kansas. So we're, we're hanging on to that one uh, each and every day. That's good news, I think. But you know, this is a secondary that is, as you just mentioned, you lost J.C. Horn. You lost Israel McQuamu. Jamie Robinson was a guy who went to Florida State who was a starter. Yeah. John Dixon. John Dixon was one of the top backups and went to Penn State. Um, you know, they the South Carolina secondary was gutted. And I'm not trying to sell anybody on this group is going to come out and shut anybody down and be phenomenal. Tennessee lit them up like a Christmas tree. But they are an opportunity, as you just mentioned, they're an opportunistic group. And, and if you don't have a guy who can come out and be 100% accurate, they'll they'll get to you a few times. And that defensive line can cause some issues. I, again, that's how South Carolina has a chance in this game. If Dan Mullen watches this interview and goes, oh, no, 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 I can throw the ball all over the field. I'm going to get cute and throw it. South Carolina will make some plays and give their offense a chance. I don't think Dan Mullen's watching Gators Breakdown after the uh, – You recruiting. never know. Yeah. After, after the recruiting question. This week, he's confused. <laughs> he doesn't know when recruiting season is. Who knows? He's all over the place. There's no more media the rest of the week. He's not – he or the media, the players, the coach, they're not speaking to anybody. He's got a lot of free time. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Well, man, I can't thank you enough here for uh, giving us another preview of, uh, of South Carolina. We'll see what the, the cold weather and all, all the uh, – uh, everything we just previewed here brings up as far as the travels to Columbia. Once again, thank you so much for uh, giving us a great preview here. Always glad to do it, buddy. Look forward to hopefully definitely seeing you this weekend. All right, Will Gunter, 107.5 The Game, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Football season is also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Get that, get the ribs, get the pulled pork, the pulled chicken sliders. All of it's so good, but get it with those home-style sides and those fresh-baked desserts at any 
the Four Rivers Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time watching all these games when Florida's on the road this week and not the grill. Enjoy the Great Iron Pack for four for $54.99 or the party for 12-pack for $109. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, homestyle sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. For a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So, Gators on the road this week, of course. Don't worry about that grill. Call Four Rivers. If you're in Gainesville, swing by the Four Rivers in Gainesville, located in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating at home in the Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four Rivers Smokehouse. Holiday season is approaching, and I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Gift yourself or someone who needs it with the Manscaped Performance Package. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 by going to manscaped.com. What's in that Performance Package 4.0? Well, of course, it includes the Lawnmower 4.0. The fourth-generation waterproof trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Turn on that LED spotlight when needed for a more precise shave. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear trimmer is the best I have ever used. Pretty much the only one I've ever used that actually works. After trimming your football, show them some love with the liquid formulations from Manscaped. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball game to the next level. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts with this Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. But here we are. New stuff. New stuff right here from Manscaped. They've been busy, and they just launched their refined body wash and a two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent. Your body will be oh-so-fresh and oh-so-clean when you start your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. Get all that at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20. Head to manscaped.com. All right, here we are. Let's take a look at this game. And, of course, we'll start with the stats and what it could possibly show here. Oh, well, actually, what it shows and what can possibly happen uh, here. So, Man, uh, you start looking at it, and you can see a you, you see the path for a Florida victory. I mean, we talked about it with Will, South Carolina's troubles. It is – just look at the stats, uh, honestly. If you're watching the YouTube version, you can look at them yourself. I'll go through them here as well if you're listening to podcast version. But total offense, Florida's still third in the SEC, 11th in college football. Other side, South Carolina, 13th in the SEC, 115th in total offense. Whew. Florida averaging 483 yards a game. South Carolina, 327 yards a game. Well, here we are, just looking at South Carolina. Here, Scoring offense, 13th in the league as well, 115th in the country. Rushing offense, 12th in the league, 106th nationally. Passing offense, 11th in the SEC, 91st nationally. I mean, even with Florida's troubles, inconsistency on defense this year, 
this is a pretty bad South Carolina offense. You have to take advantage. Florida should take advantage. Even with a middle-of-the-road SEC defense, you're going against a national-level bad offense in South Carolina. And I know we can all go back and point to the LSU game. And a lot of the similar feelings we have here. Florida's got to take advantage. They should. They really, really should here. Especially with all the quarterback problems at South Carolina as well. I mean, new quarterback, hasn't played a whole lot. Your third string quarterback. So these numbers right here for South Carolina is when their first and second string quarterbacks play in. Now they're on their third stringer. You look at 115th in the country, 106th in the country, 91st in the country from scoring offense, rushing offense, passing offense. I mean, come on. There's there's the story. There's the story right there, at least, when South Carolina's offense is on the field going against this Florida defense. But looking at the other side, I mentioned total offense for the Gators, third in the SEC, 11th and 11th nationally, 483 yards. South Carolina, 39th in total defense uh, in the country. Eighth in the SEC, though, so still you know pretty far back there. They are giving up 346.4 yards a game to South Carolina defense. Eighth in the SEC, 58th in the country in scoring defense, rushing defense. Here we go. This is a story for the Gator offense. We just heard you heard us talk about it. South Carolina rushing defense, 11th in the SEC, 87th nationally giving up 169 yards a game. We'll get into that more uh, in just a second as well. But they do cause some turnovers. We'll get into that too. So there's your path. Run the ball. Don't take many risk in the passing game. There's your look. at some key takeaway stats there for Florida and South Carolina. All right, so let's get back to it, and let's just look at the path for a victory here for the Gators. You can put it together yourself right there just by looking at the stats. Of course, we'll see what happens at quarterback for Florida. That's a big part of this uh, with, with Richardson's concussion, health status. Recording this on a Wednesday, uh, he didn't practice Monday or Tuesday for Florida. Uh, Dan Mullen said that in uh, the article he had there with Edgar Thompson um, and after no media availability, does have an article out there put out Tuesday, of course, about kind of program status, but did and was asked, uh, or was asked about Richardson. That's what we can glean from it right now. Uh, Richardson did not practice Monday, Tuesday. We'll see if he's available on Wednesday. I don't expect him to play from kind of everything we can kind of put together, but we'll see. I don't think it's a full shut door yet. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to see. Not practicing Monday, Tuesday, what that means if Phil Anthony Richardson will play or not. Uh, but you heard what our good friend Will Gunter just said, and you see what stats say Florida needs to run the ball. Doesn't matter game plan wise if it's Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson, as far as that aspect, too much. Florida needs to run the ball. Quarterbacks, running backs, just get the ground game going. I'd love to see Richardson get the reps he needs to build for the rest of this season, it should not. It should not matter. Win or lose this game. We've known Florida could win the rest of these games no matter the quarterback. But you want Richardson to grow as much as he can. He needs the reps. He needs the starts. But may not play this game. Still don't think he needs to play this game for Florida to win the game. 
Now, could Emory Jones falter and play like he did against LSU? Maybe, of course, but South Carolina's pretty bad, guys. South Carolina, giving up 169 yards a game. Florida has rushed for over that total in six of the eight games this season, but not the last two versus LSU and Georgia. 138 versus LSU, 161 versus Georgia. It's not far behind that 169 yards a game that South Carolina gives up. 161 on the ground last week versus Georgia. But Florida hasn't hit that mark recently. But Florida should be able to Saturday night versus the Gamecocks if most of the season is in the indication. We knew the schedule lightened up th- this part of the season. Starts right here. Gators ranked first in the country in yards per carry at 6.7, 6.07 yards a carry. And that's led by Emory Jones, who's averaging 5.73 yards a rush. The most by quarterback in the country. So there you go. I mean, you don't put Emory Jones in many high-risk passing situations. You know, you take all this into account. Also add that South Carolina is dead last in the SEC in tackles for loss, 126 in the country. This is a remedy. It's a get-right football game for Florida. But also playing into that, of course, for the season, going back to this, South Carolina has forced 17 turnovers. 11 interceptions, 11 interceptions, six fumbles, ranking first in the SEC and in a six-way tie for 10th in college football in turnovers gained. All those interceptions for South Carolina, all those interceptions thrown by Florida quarterbacks, not a great combo for Florida right there, of course. 14 interceptions thrown for Florida quarterbacks so far this year. 14 thrown. South Carolina has 11 on the year. This is not a game to try and test the passing game, but you you should, no matter if South Carolina is stacking the box, you go out there, you take control in the running game. You don't go out there and let South Carolina stay in this game more longer than they should. Now, I'm not saying never throw the ball, of course. Be smart about it. Don't put your team in a bad situation. Don't leave from safe decision throws. That's the only way South Carolina stays in this game. If Florida can't run the ball, then, then the, of course, this outlook changes a bit, and we have bigger issues. <laughs> uh, and you know what may be um, – you know that can be the case. And we've been there before. LSU games are a perfect example, of course. But just kind of going by what we've seen most of this year, that's usually how you break this stuff down. Can't uh, – can't predict sometimes the way these things play out. But the game plays out like this season. Florida run the ball. Florida don't pass the ball a lot and throw interceptions to give South Carolina a chance. doesn't matter if we go to the other side of the ball. Talk about quarterback situation, how I don't really think it matters for Florida all too much as for, as for a win. also don't think it would have mattered too much for a South Carolina loss on their side of the ball and when they're on offense. Florida should be able to take an even more advantage now here. Yes, we know Todd Grantham has a tendency to make quarterbacks look better than they are a lot of the time, but that's going to be tough here. Uh, Zeb Nolan, minor minor knee surgery, probably won't be ready, as you heard Will say. He's 2-2 two and two as the Gamecock starting quarterback. I'll talk about him just in case. Became the first QB to post victories in each of his first two starts since Jake Bentley did so in 2016 for South Carolina. He's 39 for 67, 58% for 
for 512 yards with six touchdowns, one interception for South Carolina. Now, look, he threw four touchdowns. So he's got six on the season. Four of them were the debut in, the, in uh, his Gamecock debut against Eastern Illinois. He had a 61-yard pass to Josh Van on the first offensive series at Georgia as well. Cut his finger when he had his hand stepped on. Uh, was unable to continue versus Georgia. Did not play again until replacing Luke Doty, who they thought would be the starter all year for the final drive against Vanderbilt. You know, Doty was supposed to be the guy this season, but he can't stay healthy. That's why they're tearing to Zeb Nolan. Or Zeb Nolan, yeah. Uh, but you heard Will here. More than likely, now Jason Brown would make him the start against the Gators. Um, he'd be the Gamecocks' third starting quarterback this year, following Nolan, following Doty. Brown played in 18 games, including a dozen starts for St. Francis, Pennsylvania Red Flash. There, he was 253 or 411 passes in his career, 61% for 3,124 yards, 28 touchdowns, six interceptions. Limited duty so far this season for South Carolina. Second half action in the season opener versus Eastern Illinois. Four or five for 45 yards in that game. One snap incomplete at Georgia. Then saw most of his action in the last game for South Carolina at Texas A&M. He was 8 of 14, 84 yards, touchdown, two interceptions. For the season, 12 of 20, 129 yards, touchdown, two picks. So with the likelihood of Brown starting, maybe South Carolina turns to the ground game even more. And this is where the Florida defense would need to respond. Uh, this is not a great South Carolina offense by any means. The only way they're realistically going to win this game is if they start running the ball. For the Florida run defense, five rushing touchdowns the last couple games. Not Definitely don't want to see that. You know, Held Georgia in check for the most part to that long gain at the end of the game, a late touchdown. Uh, but, you know, there's five rushing touchdowns still the last couple games, not not a plus. South Carolina's got some good running backs, uh, but they can't get it going. Haven't been able to get it going all year. You hope it doesn't start here. It should not start here. Um, so, you know, South Carolina failed to get 100 yards rushing in five of the last seven games. So it's been an inconsistent performance, of course, for this Florida defensive front, defensive line, linebackers, stopping the run. But – just play sound football. And that's, that's the biggest issue versus LSU is just not sound football. There's nothing exotic about this South Carolina offense. No matter what quarterback's out there, nothing exotic. They're probably going to, I would assume, come out, try and protect their quarterback, try and see if these talented running backs can get something going, especially after Florida's inconsistency so far this year. So good to go and play some sound football. Take whatever bunker mentality has been there this week. I'm sure like, the athletic article, like was we we talked about it, Will Miles and I talked about it earlier this week. Go post it in the locker room. All that soft talk about this defense, all the lack of physicality and not being a tough defense. You, know, you have one chance right now to go shut that up. Go out there Saturday night and do it. All that taken into account, all those pass, it's the run game on both sides. Florida should be able to run the ball. I think South Carolina is going to try to run the ball, protect your quarterbacks. Just don't give it up. 34-13, get your victory I got here. I think the team will respond. 
mostly because I don't think South Carolina's that great. I don't think Florida's that great either, but kind of look at how this season has played out a little bit and who they've played, who Florida played, some of, some of the comparisons there. You can see a couple-score victory for Florida. Now with South Carolina on their third-string quarterback as well. I mean, you know, I think this should be a run-dominated attack for Florida. Now I am interested. Richardson can't go. Emory's your starting quarterback. He's a big part of this run game. How often do you let him get involved in the run game? Do you try and protect him a bit? So this running attack may be more based on the running backs for Florida, not necessarily the quarterback. Now, I don't think you coach scared. I think you, whatever happens, happens. Now, of course, I don't think we want to see Del Rio or Kitna out there taking snaps unless it's late in the game. Florida's up by these couple scores here, and they get their opportunity to go play. I still think Henry Jones, out of all that, still the best path to a victory. And that's, you know, that's not stretching any kind of truth. Of course, it, yes, he's still with Richardson being limited or out. Henry Jones is the best path to a victory for Florida right now. But it may be limited with his legs. But hopefully Florida won't need him. I think the running backs have a nice little game here for the Gators. Can we get Pierce involved more? Give him the ball. Let him get into his groove that we've seen a couple of times this year. I expect all the play, those running backs, but let's go with a hot hand. Maybe, maybe something out of that come to Jesus moment, come to Jesus meeting that the team had this week. Maybe we see some differences like that as well. All right, so I won't really get into the quarterback outlook too much as it sounds like Richardson won't really be ready to go Saturday versus South Carolina. Um, thanks for everybody who we, we discussed it earlier this week on social media, on Twitter. Um, but looking like that now, of course, the basis for a lot of the argument was, you know, Richardson's got to be healthy and go, but most people want him to start, see him the rest of the way uh, and build him for 2022. Upset that he didn't get earlier snaps before Georgia. And you see that performance versus Georgia. And look, I mean, not really surprised there. But a lot of the fan base would like to see the offense grow with him from, from here on out. So maybe we still get that, but it probably won't be this week versus South Carolina. All right, let's take a look around the SEC before we get off here. Some good games this week. Missouri, Georgia, that's at noon. Number one, Georgia, of course, week after beating Florida and the week after wrapping up the SEC East. They host Missouri at noon on ESPN. And here we go. Storyline galore. Hugh Freeze and Liberty at Ole Miss at noon as well. That's a game that's on SEC Network. So some storylines there. Liberty, of course, explosive offense. Ole Miss coming off of a loss last week to Auburn. Have their own defensive issues we know about. Can Liberty go in the Oxford and steal a victory from Ole Miss? Perhaps the best game of the entire week, the way this could have the potential of playing out. Fun game here. Probably didn't expect this a few weeks ago. Auburn at 3.30. Takes on Texas A&M on CBS. Number 13, number 14, 
There you go. Top 15 matchup here in the SEC. Auburn, Brian Harson really impressive in year one after you know, a little bit of a slow start. Uh, you always get the good Bo Nicks, bad Bo Nicks, but more good Bo Nicks lately. On the road again, we'll see if he can have another pretty good road performance. Has not been terrible on the road like we've seen in years past. Got to be impressed with what Brian Harson's doing in his first year at Auburn. Now Texas A&M has been able to build on their big win versus Bama a few weeks ago. Another chance right here to stake their claim. Four o'clock, SEC Network, Mississippi State, number 17, travels to Arkansas. Potential for another good game there. If Arkansas can kind of rekindle some of their early season magic, Mississippi State with a big win last week. SEC West, man, some good game, or those two good games. I mean, what is normally a good game, that's seven o'clock at night on ESPN. LSU, we all know the storylines there. Going to Alabama, that game's on ESPN. Game's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> there, there's my prediction. Alabama kills LSU. <laughs> now, Ed Orgeron, of course, on the way out. All the drama surrounding all that. A game we usually look forward to. Uh, not the last couple of years. Got to go back to 2019 for that game to mean what it usually means. But LSU traveling to Tuscaloosa take on number two, Alabama. Seven o'clock, another fun game here. Tennessee at Kentucky. Can Kentucky bounce back after the shellacking from Mississippi State last week? And Tennessee, of course, was looking better after the, their loss to Florida. Played Alabama tough a couple weeks ago before that game got out of hand late. See how they respond. See how both these teams respond here. Tennessee, Kentucky uh, fighting there for Florida. We'll see how this kind of plays out the rest of the year uh, for that second spot, second, third spot in the SEC East. So, of course, behind Georgia. So we'll see what teams want to show up. And these games will go a long way. And who finishes where behind Georgia? That game's at 7 o'clock on ESPN2, Tennessee at Kentucky. And then to end it, the 7.30 nightcap on SEC Network, of course, our Florida Gators in Columbia. Taking on South Carolina. Going to be a cold one. Going to be a cold one. So if you're making the trip, I'm letting you know right now, be prepared for some cold weather all day long. You heard Will talk about it as well. This is going to be um, the first pretty much cold game. It was a little chilly in Jacksonville in the morning last week. But um, definitely, definitely a different animal (laughs) this week with some weather rolling through and causing that cold weather to be here all day Saturday during if you I'm going up there so we'll be tailgating in some chilly weather and then some pretty cold weather that night in Columbia so bundle up bundle up have your coffee have your hot chocolate ready in between your uh, favorite beverage there while you're tailgating if you're in Columbia but uh, expect a cold one there in Florida South Carolina so all right that'll do it here for this episode of Gators Breakdown I am the host David Waters you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.